and growing and watching prohibition fall down. What is up, DGC? Hanging out and got a special guest today. This is a friend of the show, a friend of mine, Mike from Gorilla Boost Coco from Brothers Grim Genetics. I don't know what other products you got going, but what's up, brother? What's going on, Scotty? How's life going for you? Everything good. I got to tell you, I'm enjoying. I, st- I think I still got a little bit of suntan from Costa Rica. So enjoying that vitamin D buzz. And man, everything's good, brother. Nice. You know, if you just uh, if you miss that sunlight, you just got to stand under a hundred a thousand watt double end and uh, pretend you're in Costa Rica again. I believe there's something there. I do believe there's something hanging out under all that light. I'll tell you what, we had those fires a couple months ago, and the the uh, whole area was just it looked like sunset. It looked like just like a deep dark red, and everybody was weird. I went over to Home Depot. Everybody was acting weird, like zombie-ish. And I'm telling you, the spectrum of light, just hanging out under light, really does make a difference. Yeah, I think fire has a different, uh, you know, uh, effect on people than uh, light. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, there was nothing. But I'm telling you, yes, there was nothing scarier than looking over the mountain and seeing it glow. That was a different. That was a holy shit effect but there is was that your first is that your first experience seeing something like that yeah that close was weird man it was about three four miles away and it was glowing the mountain was glowing yeah yeah we used to deal with that in uh northern cali in sierra nevada county humboldt uh so i remember the days of the fires when i was out there i bet man i bet that is fucking scary bro I will tell you, hanging out in a grow, though, it, it come on, nothing wakes you up. If you got to hang out and go in the grow in the morning, just that bright light. I mean, we are sensitive to light. You know, we talks about Guru talks about that was 780 nanometer putting people to sleep, that sunlight or putting plants to sleep. So it's actually 730 nanometers is the phytochrome or P, PFR, PR switch uh, uh, for plants. So how they tell between the difference between day and nighttime. But I mean, you're telling me that the sunset doesn't do something different to you than sunrise. I say not really sunrise, but yeah, I guess so, man. Different spectrums there, no? There's big differences in the spectrum. Yeah. So anyway, we are already off topic, man. <laughs> wow. We're good at that. First off, man, what are you smoking, man? How are, how are you? I'm always so uh, self-centered like that. How are you, brother? What are you up to? What are you smoking? I'm doing good. I'm a little bit of cabin fever because of COVID with, you know, the baby. The baby's almost five months old now. So, uh, you know, uh, I got that itch to get out and it's the winter. So there's not many places to go in the Northeast, you know, to just get that, you know, get some friend time, some burning time with your homies, you know, face to face. So uh, what I'm burning today is I'm burning the Hazy Girl, uh, Green Bodie, a really close friend of mine, amazing person, uh, gifted me uh, his cut of the Hazy Girl. Um, and we've been working on some things and sharing some things with each other. So the hazy girl is, uh, if I remember correctly, and I'm probably wrong, but it has the, the ice princess golden pineapple, which is the white widow by Cinderella 99. And then I believe he crossed that with his LA 78 Afghan. Um, and that's what gives you the hazy girl. And I know you're working with soul. First time I met you was with Mr. Soul. Brothers Grim Genetics, you guys, you guys share cuts and how, how's that all work, man? Yeah, we share certain things. We kind of throw ideas off of each other. Um, you know, we, we, you know, I would say it's more of a true, true brotherhood than, um, you know, like us 
working together. So it's, you know, just that candid um, relationship. Um, so I have ideas. He has ideas. He throws uh, certain genetics my way, wants to see what I think about those genetics. Um, and then helping out with some of the business stuff and some of the uh, relationships with the uh, large farms. Hey, how important is it to be trendy as, as a seed breeder these days? Because Soul's got his, he's got his staples and people love them still. Do you have to follow the, the you know, the garlic flavor or the, you know, wh- whatever the new flavor is? I would say what you're seeing with a lot of the facilities is they want to have a variety. So it's not just about um, they want the new hype, whether it's uh, those candy turps or things like runs now that runs won the strain of the year. Yeah. Or if it's or if it's the GMO that they want. Um, But, you know, some farms are wanting to revert back to some of like more old school stuff because we've kind of lost some of that uniqueness. It's gotten it's kind of like dissipated. Like you don't find that Jack flavor anymore. You don't find some of those old school flavors anymore. Um, so I would say that now there's a diversification and with understanding that THC isn't what propels your stone, it's the entourage effect between everything that now people are starting to get into the trend of saying like, okay, you know, I'm willing to try, you know, a land race that only gets the 14%, you know, THC. Yeah. And, and we were talking, I don't know much about land races and I don't just kind of hitting right off the cuff, but we were talking, you've been to Costa Rica as well. You know, anything about like what, uh, so they're growing down there. That would be equatorial uh, sativas or equatorial strains down there because it's pretty much the same. It's a really short freaking day. It's like a 12 hour day almost all the time. Yeah. Um, so there's some interesting stuff. I have some stuff that some friends are growing in uh, the Dominican right now that I sent down some beans. And um, most of them, any any domesticated stuff that I send to friends in, right. in that kind of sub subtropical, they're actually growing it indoors. <laughs> yeah, I felt like I got some indoor weed in Costa Rica. Um, yeah, there's definitely some good, uh, I mean, it's so humid in Costa Rica. So just think about it. Like even the quality of the natural flower, that's going to sure. you know, come out. It's going to, I mean, how do you dry it? You have to dry it indoors. Try to light, you know, try to roll up a joint and light it in Costa Rica. You can't even get the spark. Well, I tell you, I am from the Guanacaste region. And actually I picked this region because it's uh, I'm not from there. I visited there and I picked this. It looks like you're about to shoot somebody, by the way. I got <laughs> My wife, my wife stole my wife stole the lighter, and I'm trying to get a broken torch to work. You know, I didn't bring my honey badger because I broke it a couple of months ago, and now I just sit there. It works like 10 percent of the time, so I'll sit there and just click it, and say a little prayer, click it, take the battery out, and after about 30 minutes of pressing the button, it works. So I feel for you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks like I might not be smoking this episode. Shit, man, we can always take a break, brother. Whoa. What the hell just happened, man? Is that the is that the magic of video editing, sir? I'm I'm glad you got straight. Fuck, you know how to roll a joint, homie. Got me a little rusker here. Well, I I believe if you're gonna smoke a joint, it might as well be a joint, you know. I, let I it agree be pleasant. You. Let your cup overfill. <laughs> hey, you know what? I actually dug up some old. Uh, I got some Durban poison. You want to talk about the old school strains that I still dig? This is tasty, and there is a unique flavor from Durban poison. This is a you know nothing cross, just a pure Durban poison. Fucking beautiful. And it's actually so good. I had a pound of it. Took a last jar and hit it, man. Oh, I love I love the Durban poison, and then the land race version, the uh, Coffee Bay Durban. Uh, both have like a licorice kind of musk to it. Yeah, it's it's just unique to me. It's almost like uh, 
I don't know. It's almost got that cat piss terpene. There, like the Alaska Thunderfuck has that as strong as I've ever tasted it, but the Durban Poison's got something like that, you know? Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a great strain, and it's got that high volume of uh, THCV. So you ever realize like smoking a whole bunch of Durban and you're not hungry? No, I'm always hungry. No. <laughs> you know what? I got the the weed doesn't really make me too munchied out anymore. Pretty pretty good with that. Uh, I shouldn't say, man. I actually fucked up and I hid this in my closet, you know, so I just would forget about it. And I hid it right next to the stocking stuffer chocolate bars, man. And literally, this used to be like an eight pack a few days ago. You know, every time I'd go to yeah, reach for the Durban, man. It got worse and worse. So. I used to think Wait. that those Heath bars right. said health bars on it and never <laughs> ate them for years because I was like, why would I want a healthy chocolate bar? Uh, they're single servings, man. <laughs> but yeah, I got to hide my weed someplace separate than I had the stocking stuff or candy. Wait, so you're eating your kids' candy already before Christmas? Oh, is there something wrong with that? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I guess that would make you the Grinch, right? <laughs> hey, well, if the shoe fits, you know. Hey, dude, you're from – where are you at right now? Right now, I'm at an undisclosed location in uh, New York. Okay, cool. All, all I want to know is East Coast. Goddamn, first of all, you probably are hunkered down. Jesus, man, that ain't easy being over there, huh? No, I mean, uh, New York has like a rise in, you know, number of cases and, you know, with the newborn right. or, you know, now now infant um my wife is very strong about uh you know we're playing it safe yeah i'm just laughing i don't know if i'm laughing with you or what but dude you had a newborn kid and then got quarantined with him holy shit yeah and god i almost I, I almost wasn't able to be in the room um when my when my child was born yeah but they they had just changed the uh guidelines two days before Jesus, it's insane. Now, I'm glad you got to experience that. I'll never forget it. <laughs> uh, I passed out and I hit the deck. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, so it was just such an exciting and an exhilarating thing. So um, my wife and I both kind of thought that we were never going to have kids. Um, just that uh, the science of the body wasn't going to work out for either of us. And it kind of, uh, and it happens. So, you know, just watching this beautiful little girl just come into this world, just, oh. you know, took all this stress and, you know, you know, sense of missing out or desire, you know, out of my body. And, uh, it's like, I found myself on the ground and it was the next thing I know I'm drinking like those little tiny, terrible juice cups from concentrate. <laughs> <laughs> you you get, you're taking the kids Pedialyte, man. Uh Oh. Uh, they thought they thought I was like low in blood sugar. Yeah, Mr. Attention Horror over here. I see how it goes. <laughs> Congratulations again, brother. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Hey, I do want to get into the election just happened and as political as we'll get is is about cannabis. New Jersey went wreck. Is that correct? Yeah. So it's really interesting with Jersey going wreck because, you know, one would think wreck, you know, it's, you know, no holds bar. Phil Murphy is like this kind of wild card, um, you know, leftist. Um, so you would think that uh, everything was going to be put in the hands of the people, you know, as far as cultivating at home, you know, there was maybe a chance for Jersey to be like Massachusetts. Um, that was kind of shot down in the bills that were written out. And uh, I'm kind of chalking it all up to the fact that Scott's and Mir Scott's miracle Grow pretty much um, put a lot of money into lobbying for the wreck in the state of New Jersey. 
Okay, so they're lobbying for the wreck, and life is confusing. Nothing is really what it seems. So Scott's miracle Grow is on our side for a while. It's confusing. Well, I think that, you know, you got to look at it this way. And uh, if this comes to bite me in the ass in the future, it comes to bite me in the ass in the future. You know, it's corporate-owned cannabis. You know, we, you look at certain states, you know, it's really the corporations that control the cannabis in, in those states. You know, you look at Colorado. I consider Colorado a free market, you know, free market uh, cannabis industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at certain places like New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Um, you might have some craft, you know, a couple craft people or smaller people, but it's mainly those big companies. You know, whether it's the Canadian companies that are the large cultivation companies, or right. um, some of the American-based, uh, you know, companies that you know just don't understand the culture around cannabis itself. Well, I mean, just think about small batch. I mean, growers, we had tons of underground growers. They worked their ass off to put a great product out there on the free market because it wouldn't sell. There was a bunch of folks that were growing. And if you had shit, it wasn't going to sell or it was going to sell for shit. So we've already been policing ourselves as far as quality. I don't understand why we can't have personal relationships with uh, you know, you get some kind of simple registration, uh, you get your stuff tested when you go sell it to the dispensary and you get, you know, you can make $150,000 a year off your basement, probably $200,000 a year off your basement. If you hustle, you can make yeah, 40,000 extra, you know, and if you're doing just good, clean medicine and bringing good, clean medicine and having a passion, a hobby and making a little bit of money, it's like a, what do they call it? A fragmented market. You got a bunch of people. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's also due to certain states that had medical. They kind of went with that caregiver platform so that you could kind of commit your garden or or dispense to sick people. Um, and I would love to see that kind of uh, market come back, you know, uh, out there. You know, if you said to me, hey, you know, five hundred dollars a year and you can blow up your fucking basement in in, you know, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Right. Fuck. Yeah, man. You know, five hundred dollars. I'll pay the five hundred dollars because, you know, think about how much money Colorado's raised in cannabis taxes and, and how public works and things have kind of, uh, you know, uh, jump back up. It's a state that's not in debt anymore. Man, I seen it. You're talking to a guy that owns the domain name bigweedsucks.com because I seen it. You know, I seen the writing on the wall with them big, big weed going against small growers and big weed being giant money. And there goes your cannabis culture. So it does bother me. But, you know, I didn't do anything with big, bigweedsucks.com is because I started learning about divide and conquer and that how we get divided. Even, OK, where everyone that wants the legalization of cannabis, everyone that wants the, to break the cannabis stigma, you know, that dumb stoner stereotype. And uh Instead, what we so they, the big companies get good marketing, they get us to believe. And then once we get there, once we have legalization, you got a few licenses going for $40 million. All the little guys get squeezed out. And hey, we're going to make marijuana cigarettes soon. You know, we're going to make THC cola. You know, you get all this shit that we lose our culture. I just got given um, a can uh, from his out in California, and he brought it back, and it's not out on the shelves yet. Pabst Blue Ribbon already has uh, THC-infused seltzer, non-alcoholic, that they're going to be coming out with. InBev is on it. All the big companies are already on it. They're just waiting for the Fed to just lick their fingers, and then they're going to roll out with everything. Yeah, so the culture then goes back to underground, great-quality cannabis, having that the quads and that glowing shit. So it's just kind of cool. Everything I notice goes in cycles. 
Yeah. And I think you're always going to have the craft growers, whether it's underground and uh, in a prohibition kind kind of situation or like what Michigan's doing. You know, Michigan, you can grow at home. You got the micro licenses and then you have the large scale, you know, the super large scale cultivation licenses. And that stuff all trickles up and down into the economy. I'll give you an example. Michigan is a huge consumer of recharge. So it helps the Colorado company. There's a, it, there is a huge uh, trickle up or what would it be? Trickle up, trickle down uh, for the economy. So I don't understand why we can't get more uh, juice behind home grows. Well, I mean, I've seen a huge, huge grow in the, you know, the, the mom and pop, you know, uh, uh, grow stores and even grow gen that we do business with sure. uh, as far as Gorilla Boost and, you know, the purchasing trends and everything right now since COVID is there's more home growers. I don't believe that these people are going to stop growing once COVID's over, Hell. you know, Hell uh, no. black market pricing is, is high. I mean, the fires out West people were getting, uh, People were getting like thirty six hundred dollars indoors for you know for indoor pounds uh, here on the East Coast thirty six to like four grand. Yeah, um, I what I was that. hearing from friends in Philly, friends in um, New York. Yeah, that is uh, that's good news for the home grower. Bad news when I go pay ninety dollars an eight, uh, quarter down in Costa Rica. <laughs> <laughs> At least it was in another uh, country. I could justify it. All right. I don't. I don't know. I'm going to incriminate myself now. And uh, if I ever travel, if I don't know somebody there, and it's not fire, I I smuggle it in. Yeah, yeah. You can get a vacuum sealer for relatively little money on Wish.com, sir. Did I say exactly. that or just think it? I said it right. <laughs> anyway, man, just was bullshitting about Jersey. I thought that was cool. Um, what do you, as far as the big industry goes, me and you were talking about this. Do you think it will ever, the COVID has got me set on seeing how much plastic I just focus now on people spitting on my food all the time and how much plastic the world uses to stay safe. And it, the only industry or the only thing that probably bothers me more is our green industry of cannabis and how much crap when you go in there, it is like the, they have to wrap it three times, man. It just seems like the silliest thing. I don't know, man. Well, the question becomes is, you know, uh, do you take the conspiracy thought, you know, thought into play that, you know, it's about stimulating other economies and other companies and making that money flow? Sure. Or, you know, or have we ventured away from, you know, what we came, you know, what we came from in, in this cannabis community? So, you know, how hard would it be to return your dube tubes, have a punch card for every dube tube, you, you know, 10 that you return? Right. And you have somebody who has a job back in the, you know, in the back and they run it through a dishwasher that's at 170 degrees, which sure. sterilizes everything. So, you know, I think that we need to figure out better ways of packaging um, and, and ways to kind of incentivize that um, and incentivize the consumer to just not throw the stuff into their uh, into their trash can. Like, dude, I had so many dube tubes for so long. That's that, what we're like, talking you, about. Yeah. It is ridiculous. I'll go at least the glass jars. Thank God I have glass jars. And actually, uh, my friend actually has a recycling program where she actually felt funny about it. She's like, yo, want to come back, give me your, you know, dozen glass jars and I'll give you a dozen more. I was like, fuck. You know, Are you talking about actually, loving in her eyes? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But every everybody just has uh I don't know. It just bums me out. We're supposed to be so green and it can be such a green product. I mean, I use like six turkey bags every three months. Okay. 
Oh, I reuse my turkey bags. And you know what? It's it's about looking into the biofilms, the biocompostable things. Um, so, you know, I, it's not about product plugging here, but, you know, as far as from a cultivation standpoint, like our bio bags, how we source our fabric, you know, uh, you know, is it going to biodegrade? Can people reuse the, the cocoa? Can, you know, what's what how can we direct people in that way? And it's funny because I just flipped a room the other day. And uh, somebody sent me a couple of DMs and asking me about using cocoa. And they're like, do you reuse your cocoa? And I said, uh, you know, it depends. You know, if the root mass is just too big and too tight, you know, there's not much to reuse and it's more work. But uh, I, reuse, I reuse my cocoa. If I call males during a, during a hunt, uh, that cocoa gets reused. Yeah, I don't really want to say it, but uh, I'll beat my root balls, man. I'll beat the cocoa out of my root balls. Yeah, I said it. You do it. You do it or Guru, or guru does it. <laughs> now you've gone too far, man. No, but I really would, man. I'd take out of my 10-gallon grow bag. There'd be roots fucking like crazy. And I would just take it over like a big tarp. And I would beat that thing against the ground. I would get all the cocoa out. And you can see when cocoa is going to shit. It compacts, man. Uh, it's well, it gets like mushy. Yes, exactly. So, but I, you can definitely reuse cocoa and this is from a guy that sells cocoa over here. So I appreciate that gorilla boost cocoa. Well, well, here's another hack is that you don't want to break up your root ball, Scotty. You get like a serrated knife or like a sawzall right. and just cut around, um, and then pull the center out the perfect size of whatever you're going to transplant into it. And you can transplant directly into that. Some micro, some recharge or mycorrhizae in the root base. Wait, when you hang on a second, you're blowing my mind here. Tell me this again. Okay, so, okay, so let's say you have a seven-gallon smart pot, yes, and sir. you're growing a seven-gallon fabric pot, smart pot, and uh, you're now going to flip again, and you're vegging in three gallons. Right. You cut a hole the size of your three-gallon in that after you harvest in that old seven-gallon, and it directly fits. So you do a direct transplant, and you don't even there. worry you, about the old roots in there. They break down eventually. Whoa. I mean, that does sound like it would make sense, but it's not what the hydro store tells me, man. Well, I mean, the idea here is to sell units, man. You know, here, here I am, a Coyer guy, you know, with a Coyer company telling you that you can reuse Coyer. Hey, well, fuck it. I, I got a Coyer guy, a Coco Coyer. Do I say that correctly, sir? Am I? Come on, say it for me. Yeah. Coco Coyer. Coyer. Uh, anyway, I, I got an expert over here. Talk to me about it, man. We got a bunch of growers, a bunch of folks that, A, incorporate cocoa into their mixes. I feel like it lightens it up a bit. Um, you got folks that use just pure cocoa, cocoa with 30% perlite, cocoa, me, I'm a cocoa with a uh, castings guy. How, how do you cocoa, man? What do you recommend? So I cocoa a couple different ways. Um, so I run all of our own gear in my personal garden, so... Um, I have to always run stuff off of batches because I want to know where we stand from a quality standpoint. Um, I work directly with uh, one of our one of our partners who's on the ground in India. So um, I run our bio bags and then I do a living foyer. So I kind of take the whole idea behind the probiotic um, approach. Yeah. And I amend the coir with different meals, with uh, glacial rock dust, with gypsum, with this, and then you know deal with uh, you know feeding teas and. And, you know, very similar on the same level as a living soil. Yeah. I've messed around with some KNF stuff as well. Interesting. Interesting. Do you, uh, first off, what do you, so you said we replace our coir when it's, uh, when it's mushy, right? After that, you can well, use it as long as it's yeah, when it fluffs up when, when it's it gets, dry, you can use it. When it, when it gets into a paste, then you know what? You can always tell a good coir uh, just from, you know, the way that it feels too. So you yeah, should feel like a, a fluff. 
it shouldn't just be like a heavy mass it should, and, and super clumpy. Like if you like squeeze that clump from a compressed bag, right. it should just get fluffy. Okay. So um, once, once it gets into that like, like paste mealy form, then you either want to replace it or you want to, you know, throw it into the compost pile, use it for your vegetable garden. Sure, um, sure. That's what I, that's what I usually do. And once it's time to spend it, uh, it goes into my compost pile and then my vegetable garden. And you got cocoa lignin versus cellulose as far as cocoa versus peat, right? Correct. The lignin burns, uh, I'm sorry, the cellulose breaks down quite quicker, correct? Correct. Okay. So, and that's the cocoa. So the cocoa is going to break down quicker than the peat. Do I have that right? Uh, yeah, the cocoa is going to break down quicker than the peat. Okay. Because you got to think about the cocoa is also going through a washing, uh, a washing and a buffering process. So, you, you know, and if you're flushing that with an enzymatic, um, there's no waxiness or no lipid, um, value in there. So really you have what's called the, uh, the fluff and the fiber. Okay. And there's, cause there's fiber and then there's pith. The pith is like the little stuff, right? Yeah, is the is the fluff, and a lot of the times, you know, you you want a good mix between the pith and and the fiber itself, and you want different uh, lengths of the fiber because what that's going to do is that's going to kind of change your rhizosphere and the level of porosity and drainage sure. and and the and the quality of the coir and the fluff itself is going to determine how much moisture is going to be held in your rhizosphere. And as long as I'm getting a whole tutorial on it, man, talk to me about salt content, and then I want to know what this what the buffering is. Hey, okay, tell me about so, the buffer. so uh, salt, uh, you know, there's a few different forms of salt that are naturally occurring in the coconut itself. If you think about it, inside that coconut is is you know coconut water, which is a, a high electrolyte. So, and and in a lot of these climates too, uh, they're picking it up from the air, the salinity. So the plant has you know natural stuff that occurs, and then the environmental impact. So it's where you source your coconuts from. Um, and now you move into your washing process and drying process. So, you know, it's what you're washing it with, what kind of water, you, how you're drying it, and then taking it into your buffering. Buffering is actually your ability to break down the final salts. So are you using some kind of caustic chemical? How many times are you doing this process? But it's all about rep repetitive process. So it's it sounds more tedious than it really is when you do it on, you know, a larger scale of production. Right. But it's not like, Hey, we wash the, we wash the coconut, you know, once after we split it or dry it, chop it up, wash it once and then buffer it at once. It's, it's a process of multiple times of each process. So just, I guess the, this is fairly complex. I'm not measuring my fibers. I guess the idea is man, just find somebody you trust, buy the cocoa off them. And I'm giving gorilla boost a plug. Cause I know you I actually used a shitload of it through, uh, in my indoor, I did when I was doing those beds, those hempy beds, which were just a mm -hmm. concept. I wasn't sure if it was going to work or not, man. Uh, but I used your cocoa and it wicked up like a champ. So I like it for hempy beds, man, or hempy buckets. I'll give you the thumbs up, brother. And you had those monster basil plants in there too, right? I, I, yeah, I, that was when I was trying to do a little bit of everything to keep the bugs away. I had a whole mix of everything. And uh, yeah, it was actually pretty fun. I forgot to flip it, though. forgot to flip it, which is kind of a problem. <laughs> they were like hitting the ceiling. I was so obsessed with veg, man. Which, hey, yeah, you can get you can get lost in veg, man. I was just, yeah, I sure did. You can get lost in time, by the way. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> yeah, it happens. It happens to me when I work with the plants, and now having a baby, everything's like super early morning, uh, so that I can have that time to lose myself with with, with the plants. Yeah, I think I need that again. 
I had it this summer and I think I need it again. I think I'm missing it. It was nice to go down to Costa Rica and everything's in bloom down there. Just reconnecting with the plants, just walking through the forest or man, there's waterfalls there. It was really, but that whole green, talk about sun doing something to you. Walking around with all those living plants does something to you also. And seeing all those animals you wouldn't see on a regular basis. Yeah. It reminds me of when you hold a baby or I just got a puppy, you hold a puppy and you're like, Oh my God, there's some weird ass energy going through this thing. I don't know what it is, but you know, it's the same with the plants. Definitely, man. So, uh, you, you got a garden going on right now indoors. I do not. I do not. I, uh, had the outdoor greenhouse going. We're actually just squeezing dabs from it, which, uh, it is a little bit, I shouldn't say difficult, but man, we're still like harvesting or at least squeezing the dabs. What is that? The Mac guru? Yeah. Yeah. Go. That's, that's the Mac. Show it off the back camera. Let's uh, pull it back a little bit. There we go. Is that working? A little bit more. There we go. Yeah. But is that the first press there? Cause we're doing first press, second uh, press. Hard to tell from the camera yeah, here. I think that that's, that's a first press of the Mac. There's only one. I put all the second presses uh, together over there. Nice. But some of, some of that Mac pressed out really nice. Yes. Um, the Sunset Sherbert, I've not gotten to press very good. Or like it presses and yields out of it. It's just the quality I'm getting isn't as high as what it is out of the Mac. Yeah, it's dark. Yeah. <laughs> but man, Big we difference. did not we did not do the proper uh, freeze drying and all that stuff. No, these preparation. these are just flower squishes. Yeah. So just, just squeezing some flour. I will shout out to Rosenbaum. What a pleasure it is to just be able to take some flour. Uh, you stuff it in one of those bags and you get that's a solid gram. What do you? What do you? That's fucking. There's a lot more than the gram on that one, but there's a few. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it really. What did it take us? Fifteen minutes. We started. We started work like that this morning. <laughs> yeah, I think it. It took me about fifteen minutes to yeah. get all that pressed. Guru gave us a rosin press training on the rosin bomb. <laughs> oh, dude, the rosin bomb's awesome. I do a uh, fresh frozen dry ice sift uh, yeah. from a one twenty down to a uh, to a ninety micron. Right, and then I load up. My, I load up my bags with, and like I store that frozen uh, heads. You know the frozen heads. Stuff it in a bag and right. then squish it in a 45 micron and you just get fucking fire. That's next level. That is fire. Man, I feel bad saying this, but I'd rather smoke a big fucking shitload of dabs with my buddies that look like that all goddamn weekend long or shit. That, nah, that would only last a weekend if we put it out here. But man, I'm just, I enjoy, that to me is enjoyable. I understand connoisseur stuff and it's fucking a joy. But all that extra work to get less yield of something delicious? Oh, no. I'm glad there's teachers like you out do you, there, brother. Do you, do you trim over a trim bin? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, oh, that's so what, what you're you, saying? Just take those Keef heads or those trichome heads? You, you could take those trichrome heads if you want to. Right. And not go through the same process of, of running dry ice in multi-stage bags. And then just freeze those freeze those strikes sure and then load that up in like a 45 micron bag and press that out and you'll be very happy with what comes out but you're saying you just did well maybe i was misunderstanding i thought you were sifting trichomes dry sifting you just doing bubble bags yeah Is that what you're saying i've done i've done it i've done it with in a bubble bag set using sure. dry ice yep. um you know the same the same idea pushing your heads through and through got and through it. got it um, but you can you know the poor man's version is take the key from your trim bin sure load up like a, a glass jar, put it in your freezer, turn your freezer on low, and then just load up a 45 micron bag uh, and press it. 
Yeah, that would certainly work, man. You do that and I'll come on over. You call me. You got it. <laughs> hey, the last thing that we were bullshitting about, I love how all this stuff works is we'll start bullshitting on the phone. I'll be like, just come on the show and tell me. All right, let's just save some of this for the show. But we started <laughs> talking about testing and I don't, you tell me, I've, I'm always surprised. I go and I remember like tw- white rhino back in the nineties or like 21% THC and it was a strong weed. You know, to go into a dispensary and see something that says 33 or 32% or 34% on it, uh, and then it's not that great a weed. I'm, I'm confused, man. Do you have any, any so, insights? So, you know, I'm really confused too, and I'm so happy that Guru's here too because he he's going to make both of us sound so much smarter from a technical aspect. Always does. Um, but um, there's two different forms of testing, you know, that are widely used. One is gas chromatography which is believed to be um, the highest accuracy of testing for cannabinoids, terpene content. And then there's spectrometry. And if, am I saying that right, Guru? Yeah, that's uh, the one they tried to nail my cousin Vinny with, brother. Or, or mass, mass spectrometry. Uh, mass yeah. spectrometry. Yes. Yeah, that's the other one. So um, they've seen with the other one, with the mass spectrometry, that there's not as, you know, the numbers are higher. So, you know, what places are using what testing? But I look at it more from like a layperson's, uh, you know, situation when it says 41 or 45 percent total cannabinoids. My mindset goes to. So if I fucking extract that, I'm getting a 45 percent return. That's ridiculous, man. That I mean, I understand that's the logic, but that'll never happen. Oh, so much. So much goes into just uh, like when they harvest the plant, the buds that they select, where on the plant those buds came from, which testing agency you send it to or you send them to a ton of them and wait and see which one comes back with the highest number and then be like, cool. All right, we're going to go with that. And the big problem is just uh, a ton of uneducated students <laughs> out there going to a dispensary. And like dispensaries see and they know for a fact that if you have something with a higher THC percentage, weed, concentrate, anything wise, right. it sells faster because people don't know or understand that entourage effect. And they like to quantify things. And the easiest way to quantify weed stuff for them is to just look at it and be like, that has a higher percentage that right. eat, that automatically makes it better when in reality, like you can have some 7% weed that knocks your dick in the dirt because it has all the other cannabinoids and terpenes in there. And it, it wasn't just like shopped around for the best testing agency that's going to give the highest numbers. Right. Cause honestly, and it's like the business model just isn't right. The way it works where like you can pay to have a test done as the person doing the test, you know that that person wants the highest test result po- possible and you want them to come back to you to get more tests done. Yeah, so that's like, true. Very easy to just fudge the test a little bit so that you get a higher number. So that person keeps coming back to you to keep giving them that high number. And it's, yeah, it just helps more weed sell at the dispensary when in reality, it would be really cool if they just take the time to educate stoners um, and let them know that terpenes and other cannabinoids and the entourage effect are very important things that determine how high you're going to get or what type of high you're going to get. Um, so, yeah, I wish we would move forward with more education that way instead of just being like, this one's higher. It's better. Yeah. I just I just wish we just went back to the point of you just look in a fucking jar and stick your nose in and you go, OK, I want that. Yeah, that's how it used to be. <laughs> you go to my buddy's house and be like, holy fuck, man, give me two of those and one of those. <laughs> It's true because it's fresh. How's dispensary weed where you're at, man? Or has have you gone to a dispensary in New Jersey yet? Has that opened up? So 
So I am a medical patient in the state of New York um, because uh, when I went to go get life insurance, uh, the, the companies ran my name and they saw an article of me online yeah, smoking a big cannabis cigar. So they don't want to give me life insurance. So I had to get a medical license in the state of New York. This is the face is of a guy that just figured out he was uninsurable, man. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, maybe not in your state, but, you know, for me in my situation just wound up just screwing me up. Oh, uh, and we find, and we find out tomorrow if like we, we found a company that will insure me. God, um, prohibition alive and well, huh? Discrimination. Right so, there. so I am a uh, medical patient in the state of New York and I am happy to say that everything that is available is straight fucking garbage. Oh man. I thought you were going to say fire and I was going to be like, I'm proud of you, man. Damn. No, I wish. And you know what? And I've and I've approached a couple of the like the local companies, and you know where like I said, you know I'd love to come in. You know it keeps me close to my home in New York when right. I don't have to be in Colorado, and you know they're just not interested. It is funny. I know a couple people that grow they grow like microgreens and things like that, and I tried to tell you help them. I tried to tell them to try some recharge just because I knew it would really help them. And they just weren't interested in any kind of change. They were just like, oh, well, I got the system. And it's really funny that you have to, people do resist change, you know? Well, well, New York's so messed up because there's, an, there's no flour available. So it's either vape cartridges, sublinguals, yeah. topicals, um, and maybe a couple other things. And it's either indica, sativa, hybrid, CBD heavy. So yes. if you if you grew a whole room and let's say you put that time in as a cultivator working right. for that company and you had that passion uh, just to see like a super, you know, super silver haze and a lemon haze just get blended into like a, a booth cart. Yep. Yeah. Ugh, I hate those. They're the cheap carts with the propylene glycol. Like, hey, oh. this is blueberry flavored. Or, yeah, it's usually uh, in those. CO2. Those, yeah, CO2 extract, super critical CO2 extraction in those legal states that are just getting online. Right. They have not figured out how to make good hash yet. And they don't want to pay consultants from states that have <laughs> what they're worth to be able to have the good hash. So, yeah, they get left with that shit. Yeah, it's either ethanol extractions or it's CO2 extractions. So yeah. they go ethanol crude into like a white distillation film so you can get your distillate. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the markets all have to mature, I guess, until the customer demands more, demands better. But I guess right now everybody's just happy to have some kind of place to go and buy weed. And it's back to that education thing, too. Like most people in uh, prohibition states are people right. that haven't smoked weed for like 20 or 30 years and are yeah. getting back into it. They want the carts. They originally go to like the cheaper cart that they see as a higher percentage and like, oh, this must be better. It's just distillate and some fake terpenes that they put together to make it taste like blueberries. It doesn't get you like a good high. It's like racy and everything. Um, you give that person a rosin cartridge yep. of like live rosin. They try it or like, holy shit, this is amazing. I don't want that other stuff ever again. I just want this. Well, don't forget the different, we, me and you have talked about it as far as when you have a cheap cartridge, it fucks with your throat a lot. I think we were talking about that there's waxes. A lot of times they're not de-waxed or something like that. But yeah, I've noticed a cheap cart will definitely, <clears throat> and you can smoke a live resin or a live rosin cart. Was it shot Natty Rems? Is that who we like? Um, 
me personally, when I'm getting carts, right. I get Dab Logic carts. Dab Logic, um, thank you. I'm, I'm spoiled and live in Colorado, and yep. that is an option. You can get them in California too. Uh, those rosin carts are fucking. They fire. are, but you can hit those They're, all day. And uh, first off, you know you can hit them three or four times to get high as fuck, which and, doesn't happen a lot. And man. well, you can hit it, and it hits like a dab. And yeah, it tastes amazing from the start to the end of it, and that is like the main reason I choose those. There's no like burnt flavor at the end of the cartridge it tastes good the entire time yes yo shout out to dab logic when i was out at indo expo they came by the brothers grim booth and dropped a whole bunch of hazelnut cream um um sho on us that was just like totally transparent some of the most fire fucking hash i've ever smoked in my life yeah i i have some of that hazelnut f2 in my fridge at home I hate you. Snoots, man. I just make my own, all right? I just squeeze my own outdoor. Thank you. Hey, all right. I got something. I'm sorry. You want to talk or I got something? Well, I was going to say something like, you know, related to prohibition. You know, think about like, you know, even in the states where they have like fucked up cannabis laws or like they don't have medical or rec or anything. You know, there's like a whole history of cannabis in the United States of America. Think about like breeders who were breeding in their basement, you know, in different areas. You know, you have guys like Soul who Soul was in fucking Boston when he, you know, created most of the stuff. Uh, you know, you got guys like, uh, you know, who were up in the Hudson Valley in New York, in Sullivan County, New York. You know, that's where a lot of that sour diesel, the four-way. Um, you had Kansas City, Missouri, you know, Alaska. You know, it just goes on and on and on. You know, the fact that, you know, whether prohibition's there or everything becomes legal, there's still this such diverse underground history. You never notice, man, you go to... I don't know. I'm going to pick on Orlando because that's the worst. That's that's like uh, ground zero for it. But you go to places and it's just all homogenized. It's all Applebee's and Hooters or whatever the fuck. I can't even think of it. Uh, rock and roll cafe, a hard rock cafe. Sorry. And it's just like Goofy Planet Hollywood. I'll give you that one. Although you see stuff like that and you're like, oh, God, man. You know, it's one of, one of these places, but it's homogenized. You're like, oh, I went to the, uh, you know, the Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas and it was just like the Planet Hollywood in wherever. San Fran- who the fuck knows man my point is is that the whole country gets homogenized where everything's chain restaurants and nothing's too you know you lose your culture uh, I don't want to see that happen with cannabis I love the fact that Alaska Thunderfuck tastes like something I've never t- you know it's that's that cat piss fucking where the hell does that come from kind of weed it grows like crazy and they're like it's from Alaska you're like whoa man it makes sense it's weird <laughs> you know? Well, you get, you know, and then now you get like the preservationists, which is like so cool because I've gotten connected to all these different breeders who just breed for preservation of, you know, IBL land races. And um, it's amazing what they've dedicated themselves to um, and, and the beauty of like what these plants can express. Yeah, it is true. There's no it's you don't really see anything but all these crazy hybrids and they're getting, I'm glad there is somebody that is preserving the, the old school, like the Afghani and the, man, remember the old school hash plant from back in the day? I bet oh you know, yeah. I bet you that would still sell. I mean, they go, I mean, there's a, uh, I believe it's like Indian land race exchange. Um, that's one of them. Um, I messed with a dude, Sinbud, who works in a, a, a number of like old school lines. Right. Uh, he does a great job. Um, so it's just cool to see some of that stuff and grow some of that stuff. And it's not like the heavy yielders, but like the expressions that these plants have when you smoke that flower are just, you know, it's amazing. Agreed. Agreed. Talking to the guys about to roll another joint of the Durban poison. It's high as fuck off it, too. <laughs> nice.
See, I get racy as fuck off the Durban poison. If I start smoking it, you know, in another hour or two, I'm not going to sleep at night. Wow, really? Really? Yeah, there's there's certain strains. Like, the Cindy has that for me. It's like, I have a cut that we call the Van Halen cut because it makes you want to just jump. Like (laughs) David Lee Roth. I dig, man. I dig. Nah, it's all, uh, I just got too much THC floating through my blood at this point, you know? It's just DHC. (laughs) Could be. We're going to pull distillate from your veins. Yeah. I said, yeah, the sweat, you know, the sweat's a, it's a topical. (laughs) (laughs) Good shit, man. I like bullshitting with you. We were hanging out and I don't know. I think we had a great conversation. I really enjoyed it, man. Yeah, me too, brother. You hold down the East Coast for us. Give yourself some proper shout outs, man. I I will actually say it's Mike from Gorilla Boost Coco and uh, Brothers Grim Genetics. How the hell do they find Gorilla Boost Coco first off, man? Okay, so uh, you get on our website, GorillaBoost.com, and we have an interactive map of who's currently retailing our products. Uh, If you don't see it there, hit us up with an email um, on the website. Let us know what shop you use. We'll contact your shop, see if we can work something out and get it in your area. Um, and if you're a large facility, you can always just find me at, uh, you know, our, our Instagram page, Gorilla Boost, or, uh, find me at, uh, Rev Diablo and Sano on, uh, Instagram. I love that. Uh, I love that nobody can, uh, really hide their past once they've got there. You know, he's Rev Diablo and Sano. Yeah. What can you do, man? You gotta own it. Yeah, I don't. I put my face, I put my face out there in a couple articles this year, man, and coming on this show. So I said, you know what? Fuck it. Um, so I guess shout outs have to go to a couple of your listeners like Rasta, like Rasta K. Yeah. Uh, he had a baby. Uh, so I want to wish him a congratulations as well. Congratulations. And, uh, keep up the good work. Uh, shout outs to, you know, Microbe Life Hydro. That's always holding me down. Good people. Shout outs to Covert Genetics in my garden. Green Bodie. Um, Irie Genetics. Uh, rocking some, you know, Subcool. B and Will. Uh, and you know, shout out to you, Scotty, and you know, which dude could have been here? Yeah, and so, Guru. Yeah, dude was happy. He's like, well, I was going mountain biking anyhow. Hold down the fort for me. So, but uh, man, I'm usually the shout out. We're usually the shout out guys. Nice, I like it, brother. <laughs> I could have kept on going, but I don't want to like steal the thunder. No, I dig, man. This is really a lot of fun, man. I thank you for hanging out. You too, brother. All right, dude, that's fucking awesome, man. Yeah, dude. How long was that, Guru? That was a good show, right? 15 minutes. Some people love to blaze up the deck. Yeah, we get happy for noon. And when the boss says is to take a little break, that means we're lighting up a dude. It's just weed. It's just weed. I like to keep a good buzz on, on, on. It's just weed. It's just weed. In my toolbox, there's a bomb. Some people start their day off with a pill. It's what the doctor says to do. They shake their heads at natural medicine. Go ahead and try something new. It's just weed. It's just weed. I like to keep the good vibes on. It's just weed. It's just weed. Smoke it out, be loud. Yeah. 